Welcome to The Common Bridge, where policy and current events are discussed in a fiercely nonpartisan manner. The host, Richard Helpy, is a philanthropist, entrepreneur, and political analyst who has over a million listeners around the world. The Common Bridge is available on Substack.com and draws guests and audiences across the political spectrum. Hello, welcome to The Common Bridge. I'm your host, Rich Helpy. We've got a great guest and a very fascinating topic that affects all of us. We've all heard about wellness, we've heard about exercise, and we've got one of the premier pioneers in preventive medicine from Dallas, Texas, Dr. Kenneth Cooper. Dr. Cooper, thank you so much for joining us on The Common Bridge. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. The Common Bridge, of course, is at Substack.com. Please go to Substack.com, put The Common Bridge in your search engine, consider a subscription, either free or paid. We're available on most podcast outlets on YouTube TV. And of course, at Mission Control Radio on your Radio Garden app. Everybody's concerned about health. Whether you've got the gift of great health, whether you work on your health, we can all improve our health status. And absent a serious illness or accident, sometimes people don't think about that. And we know some of the formula. It's about diet. It's about exercise. It's about rest and maybe more. But for the past 63 years, Dr. Kenneth Cooper has been instrumental in preventive medicine. He is credited in his first bestseller with the term aerobics and aerobic exercise and how that fits in. Today, we're going to talk about modern medical scientific fact versus fadism. And again, welcome to the Common Bridge, Dr. Cooper. It's so good to see you. Thank you. And to start, I would like to introduce myself as being uh, Dr. Kenneth Cooper, born March the 4th, 1931. So I'm now 91 years of age and still practicing medicine on a regular basis. And I hope and pray that what these people learn today will enable them to enjoy the same type of quality and quantity of life that I'm doing at 91 years of age. Let's go back to my early years because I was born and raised in Oklahoma City. And I did compete in athletic endeavors during my high school and actually uh, during my college years. But there was a controversy because when I was running track and playing basketball during my senior year, my father, a practicing dentist, along with other physicians and dentists and medical professionals at that time, thought I may be killing myself by exercising too much. Because back in those days, this is the 1940s, 1946 to 1949, the popular theory was the athletic heart syndrome. If you exercise too much, the heart gets large and muscular, then you stop exercising, it converts into fat, and then you die early. And that was what I had to fight in my early days. So my father didn't rebel completely to the extent he allowed me to continue with my basketball and my, and my track career, but he never saw me play basketball. He never saw me run a track because that was a way of rebelling. Now my mother, Actually, she promoted everything I did. But the theory there was that the big heart, as I said, was going to convert into fat. But that big heart wasn't, we found out later, was because of a large muscular heart. It was because of a dilated heart. Because that meant the ejection fraction, the amount of blood that you pump out with each beat, was getting larger as the heart dilated. So that's the reason the resting heart rate goes down, which is one of the principles of aerobic conditioning. Average American male has a resting heart rate of 72 average American woman about 78. But as you get aerobic condition, that drops into the 40s and the 50s because the heart is working less hard and meeting the body's needs. 
because not only were they afraid of the athletic heart syndrome, but the old theory was you have only a certain number of heartbeats. And once you burn up all those heartbeats, you die. That was what I was fighting during my high school years. And so then I got into college and I ran track University of Oklahoma. I was successful in having being, un, un, uh, I, was, I was successful during my senior year in being undefeated in the one mile run. And I've set the, almost set a new record for the state championship when I won it in 1949. And that enabled me to get a scholarship at the University of Oklahoma. But of interest too, the whole concept of how much conditioning is necessary to become an outstanding track athlete. When my high school years, I pretty much trained on my own and I was running 30, 35, 40 miles a week. Once I got into college, the theory was because a four minute mile wasn't broken during that time, 1952, 1956. It wasn't broken on 18, it was broken in 1964 by Sir Roger Bannister when he was the first one to break the, the four minute mile. And that was May the 6th, 1954. I'm talking about 1956 to 1952 to 56. And so the theory in college was you need to be a sprinter to be able to break the four minute mile. And so we concentrated on running sprints from the quarter mile to the half mile and lots of sprints. And we were discouraged from running too much, like 25 to 30 miles a week, because you take the spring out of your legs. Because of that, I didn't bring my time down that much because I only ran a 418 was my fastest time in college. I was 430 in high school. And now we find later all those sub four minute miles running 50 to 100 miles a week. But the shows would let us do that because that takes the spring out of my leg. That was an early exposure to a fad versus scientific fact. Have you seen other fads come and go over your time? Yeah, we didn't have any data at that time to prove what I've been saying. But then when I got into medical school, it was still the same situation. You should exercise too much because it would be dangerous past 40 years of age. We would actually tell our patients, if you can believe this, if you've had a heart attack, and live in a two-story house, you have to move to a one-story house because you can't walk up and down a flight of stairs anymore. We were condemning people to early graves and didn't know it back in those days. That's how little we knew about the scientific value of exercise. But now we have people running marathons who have had a heart attack. So going on, we had that, that controversy in the early years. And then the book came out in March 1968. Book of Robles, I coined the word, as you mentioned before. And then again, the, the professionals were against me. They said the coop's going to be full of dead joggers as people follow Cooper's recommendation. You can't run. You can't run past 40 years of age, all these various things. And so I had that ramp I had to overcome with some scientific legitimacy. So we fought the battle, even when I was in the military. And we had to develop technology. I, I transferred from the Army to the Air Force to go into the space program. I did work for NASA. And actually, one of the first things that Dr. Bill Thornton and I, who later became a scientist astronaut, did was develop a technology where we could read an EKG on an exercising subject. Because back in the early 1960s, technology had not developed, so we could see the EKG. It was too much artifact. And we were so antiquated back in those early 60s, the way we got a heart rate on exercising subject on a treadmill was stand beside them, count the pulse for 15 seconds, and multiply by four. That's how antiquated we were. So we had to get this modern technology of which we did and were able to get beautiful EKGs when a person was in the whiteness of the space or extra vehicle, what it may be. And then also developed technology. We could pick up heart disease long before you could pick it up with the resting EKG. So again, we, we pioneered that and that became a, a modern medicine, for, modern, modern technology for cardiology because remember stress testing wasn't used back in those days because they thought it was dangerous. 
even when I established my practice here in Dallas in 1970, I had to go before the board of censors. They were going to run me out of town because I was doing something as dangerous as treadmill stress testing. I gave a very, very nice presentation to the board that night, defending what I was doing. I'd done this in the Air Force. I'd done 10,000 runs in the Air Force. And to prove that you could use diagnostic stress testing, they could save lives. As a result, we've done over 300,000. By the way, I wasn't censored. My wrist wasn't slapped. And the second person in town had a trip to have a Trevor stress session, the chairman of the board of centers. Now it's ubiquitous everywhere. It's the foundation I keep saying for diagnostic cardiology. We've done over 300,000 treble, max performance treadmill stress tests successfully. And only, and 16% have been abnormal or equivocal. Only 5% knew they had a problem. So 11% of 300,000 tests, we've been able to show that heart disease and keep in mind that it's never picked up the rest of the EKG on what the stress test. But remember, the most common first symptom of severe heart disease is sudden death. People don't realize that until it's too late. So we're basically saving thousands of lives. Routinely, we'll see 125 patients per week. That's pretty much match what we can see in our clinic here with our 30 to full-time physicians and all. That's an important thing that sometimes people say, well, you know, I feel fine. I don't need any intervention. But this is where we get into prevention. So what type of data should a person understand about themselves? Well, first of all, we have what is called getting Cooperize, which uh, there are a whole set of things from body weight, adequate sleep, all these various things, proper nutrition, all these things. But the most important thing is you got 30 minutes of exercise, collective or sustained, most days per week. We did an amazing study. We published this uh, several years ago. We followed 28,000 people for a period of 25 years. They came to the clinic at age 50. We got their Medicare data from 65 to 75 years of age. And the only thing that we followed during that 25 years was their time on the treadmill, the level of fitness, very poor, poor, fair, good, excellent, superior. We took the top 40 percentile, compared the body 40 percentile, 21 percent women. They're all healthy, fought for 25 years. And then the 25 years, we found those people in the top category of fitness, top 40 percentile, had 36 percent less Alzheimer's and dementia, those in the bottom category. They had 40% less chronic kidney disease requiring dialysis than those in the bottom category. And they had a 40% reduction in the cost of health care from 65 to 75 years of age. No one's ever before documented you could prevent Alzheimer's and dementia. We spend way too much of our health service dollar trying to, trying to treat disease when the secret is trying to prevent it in the first place. You can't prevent Alzheimer's and dementia. Oh, yes, you can. And you can reduce the cost of health care. Yes, you can. We spend twice as much money as anybody else in the world on health care. You have ranked 43rd in longevity. Too much care, too late. We spend way too much for health service dollar on desperate measures that often prolongs death, not life, a miserable few days. Dr. Cooper, so when you think about the things that affect a person's health status and perhaps their early death, genetics, environment, socioeconomic status, diet, exercise, what things in your experience are controllable and how much impact do they have? Can they overcome genetics and socioeconomic status? Your longevity is not the results of genetics. It's what you do for your lifestyle because it's only about 10% of genetic. Your weight, your height, your blood pressure, all these various things, these are things that you can control. We know that, but people are ignoring that. They don't appreciate the value of preventive medicine. When I was in medical school, we were taught that preventive medicine is a Cinderella of the medical special because there's no profit in health. And many physicians still feel the same way. That's why preventive medicine is not accepted. Physicians don't want to do this because I wasn't trained how to do it. I don't know anything about exercise or diet. I wasn't taught that in medical school. 
I learned that in two years of at, at Harvard School of Public Health. That's why I learned what I'm talking about now. I didn't learn that University of Oklahoma School of Medicine. Physicians say I don't know anything about it. I don't have time to do it, and I can't get paid for it. That's the excuse that they give me why they can't be involved in preventive medicine. But if we could just take these concepts, preventive medicine, we can dramatically change the whole field of medicine. Because one thing we know about, that we need to concentrate on chronic inflammation. Physicians are concentrating on acute inflammation. That's all you're taught in medical school. We know chronic inflammation is related to a whole long list of medical problems, like the list of which is Alzheimer's dementia. You can have amyloid plaque and tau protein in the brain and never have any problems. We all get that as we get older. We have to have something to enlighten that, that ignites the fire that causes that to become symptomatic, and that is chronic inflammation, repetitive type inflammation, things of this type they give. And we measure that by the C-reactive protein. Most physicians aren't measuring that because we know these people in the top category of fitness we fought for 25 years, they were lean and trim and had a low C-reactive protein. They had many, no signs, really chronic inflammation. Those the other category. And the big thing was they were lean and trim and active. So the best way first is to identify chronic inflammation, major C-reactive protein, and get the people lean and trim is the first thing, avoiding tobacco, avoiding pollution, air pollution. All these various things, fast foods, all these things, there's a whole list of things now listed. There's a book by Dr. Kopecki, written from the Mayo Clinic, entitled Live Younger, Longer. And the whole book is about chronic inflammation. I should have read the book because I've been talking about this for years. Well, we need to concentrate on something that's been ignored by modern medicine. So for my audience, which is more of a lay audience, certainly there's physicians, clinicians, scientists, and people that have looked for different ways to battle disease. So chronic inflammation, this is, I have a sedentary lifestyle. I'm eating foods that are causing a spike in sugar. What is a chronic inflammation? How do I know I've got one or how do I know I'm clear of one? Well, you test if you get your position to have to perform because that's called the C-reactive protein. It costs about $65. Just recently, one of my friends was going to his first position. That's for Dr. Cooper said, I have a major sonic reaction. This is the board certified internist here in Dallas. I want to get a C-reactive protein. And he said, why? He said, because that's a way of measuring chronic inflammation. Oh, that's Cooper. Not forget about that. You don't need that. And that was just recently among a qualified physician here in Dallas. I'm still fighting the system to try to get the mindset away. They're preparing a documentary in my life. But I want the listening audience to know that because I'm trying to do two, three things. This, this I'm trying to to get a push this documentary to go to position to change the attitude about the practice of medicine about too much care too late and concentrate on chronic inflammation. I'm trying to get medical schools away from just being a preventive medicine. It's nothing but give you an immunization. That's all it is in medical schools and broaden that to the whole concept of wellness we talk about with the getting fit and adequate sleep and all these various things. Now the third thing I want the people of the world to know that your health is your responsibility. It's not the responsibility of the government. It's not the responsibility of your insurance company. It's responsible for what you do for yourself. And no drug can replicate the benefits of an active lifestyle. I'm offering a program here. We're offering to the 150,000 patients who come to our clinic a lifestyle that is getting results because we're now able to prove that we've followed 100,000 patients to come to this clinic for at least 20 times in the past 45 years, and we find they're living 10 years longer than the national average, and they're squaring off the curve. They live a long, healthy life of fullest then die suddenly within six months of the time of the diagnosis. So they're squaring off the curve. And that's the cost of health care is going down in these people because they're squaring off the curve. 
with people about 65, 65 years of age, the cost of health care just escalates rapidly. We can slow that down. So our men are averaging 86.5 years. I'm 91 years of age. Or women averaging 90.4 years. And that's 10 years on the national average. So we can increase your life expectancy by 10 years, reduce Alzheimer's dementia by 36 to 40 percent, and reduce the cost of health care by 4 percent. Why aren't we listening to that? So this is going to try this in these documentaries that are coming out. The first one to physicians, the second medical schools, and the second, the third one is for people of the world. I recently gave a presentation in the United Nations. This is this was September the 11th, 2019. They asked me to come and speak to 150 people around the world. And I talked about it's cheap or more effective to prevent disease, says to find a cure. That was so successful, they wanted me to make a documentary of that to get around the world. We're going to work with them at first, but because of COVID got bummed out, so I'm funding this myself. We got the first one already available on social media within the next few weeks, entitled The Power of Prevention. Will people be able to get that on your website? They can go to cooperobis.com and get these things I'm talking about. You give us a couple weeks, we have a 20-minute version on there now that's very dramatic. Talk about all the things we're talking about. And we'll soon have, we'll soon have, these, these, we'll soon have the 40-minute, the 20-minute the version. That'll be available on YouTube. You can get that by going to cooperobis.com or it'll be on social media. So, Dr. Cooper, Americans are bombarded all the time with messages from the big pharma ads. Take this pill. You're going to get these results. I know on my personal social media feed, I hear people telling me, follow this program or that program. You're going to be healthy. Everybody gets on a New Year's resolution. So, Dr. Cooper, for our listeners, our viewers and our readers around the world, what are some of the things they could do right now? Maybe the top four or five things to improve their health status, and maybe avoid some of this chronic inflammation? Well, first of all, find out what your situation is. Most people get their blood pressure taken. That's number one. That's the major card of heart disease and strokes. And, and number two, they can get their body mass index by getting their height and weight and go into a computer and find out whether they're above or below 25, because less than 25 is what you want. 25 to 30 is overweight. And we have 70% of our American population is now overweight or obese. We only had 36% in 1990. We'd have an epidemic of obesity and diabetes since 1990 that's unparalleled. And then get their, they can easily get their, their blood studies done to test for diabetes. You can get a dipstick and get that to get your, check your urine for diabetes, which is a very simple thing. And get some blood studies. So you can have your cholesterol measured, get your lipid profile measured, all very expensive. All this can be done for about $25. They want to do very simple. And those are the things we're dying of are the major things. Ideal what we have here is these comprehensive examinations with the CT scans and quarter calcification. That's the ultimate. But by doing this, we have made scientific out of this whole field of preventive medicine. And that's why our people are living 10 years on the national average. But what you the people I just around the world, if they just remember that that no drug can replicate the benefits of an active lifestyle. So our basic recommendations, five is fine, nine is divine. Number of servings of fruits and vegetables you should be consuming on a daily basis. Average American is it's 3.1 for adults and for children, it's 1.6. You should be eight to five to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables every day. You should get at least seven hours of sleep per night. You should get 30 minutes collected for sustained exercise most days per week. And we found that people would even do that. We've been up one block on the fitness scale. They increased their life expectancy by six years, but your testimony closed by 58%. If you move it up the top category, fitness goes only to nine year increase and only 65%. The best return to your fitness and investments is avoiding inactivity. Just walking places. Uh, get 10 minutes here, five minutes here. Get 30 minutes collected for sustained most days per week. Those are the most important recommendations I can get. Get your, get your body weight down, get your blood pressure control, go for diabetes, and avoid inactivity. And you might be surprised to see the results.
And I think that particularly in this country that we have embedded a sedentary lifestyle. Oh, let's drive, but let's get a place that's close. It's a long walk into the movie theater where I've got a 32 ounce soft drink that is loaded with sugar. And then I'm going to go sit and watch a two hour movie. And I think what I hear you saying is maybe substitute that with, you know, go for a one hour walk and get yourself an apple and do that consistently and look at the results you might get in your body mass. Now, Dr. Cooper, there's people like me. I'm not a very good runner, never have been a great runner. I'm not saying I'm slow, but the last time I went out jogging, I got a ticket for loitering. It's it's kind of on that scale. What do you say to people like me that are a little more compact in reasonable shape? Can yoga or weightlifting substitute for some of the more rhythmic exercises? You want to be aerobically fit first, but you don't want to avoid weight training. We have a recommendation here in your in your in your thirties and forties, you should have eighty percent aerobic and then twenty percent musculoskeletal condition. But by the time you're by fifty-five and sixty years of age, you should almost be half and half because you can be cardiovascular fit, but you can't pick up a sack of groceries without pulling your back out when you're fifty or sixty years of age. You're I'm ninety-one years of age. My routine now, I ran for 40 years and 38,000 miles, ran Boston Marathon twice and all of that. But I, actually, I broke my leg snow ski back in 2004. But I don't give, didn't give up exercise. I had to give up running, but I didn't give up exercise. I transitioned because, to, to cycling because fitness is a journey, not a destination. And so every day before I go home, I spend 30 minutes on the exercise bicycle. I spend 10 minutes doing a circuit weight training program and then go home and walk my dog. And that's my routine now in my advanced age and why I'm enjoying good health. Because I keep telling you that exercise is the foundation of the prolonged life and quality of life that you want. But so we've been able to prove this. Now, I established my research institute six months before I saw my first patient, December 1970. Because I had to have good solid research to bridge that gap between fadism and scientific legitimacy. I'm happy to say we have now published over 600 papers in peer-reviewed journals, and the results are too impressive to be ignored. And that's why the world is coming to us now. What can I do to duplicate what you've done with your center there in Dallas? But we have proven that exercise can be successful. They told me some 52 years ago, you can't, with my little two-mom office and two employees trying to get started here in Dallas, as I mentioned, I think before the censors, that I can ever be successful taking care of healthy people. People see their physicians only when they're sick, not when they're well. Look what happened. Our whole success here has been, I'm strong, strong in my beliefs, number one, divine intervention, because there's been so many times over the past 52 years, I didn't make a decision. I wanted to go one way. I went the other way. If I'd gone the way I would want to go, I wouldn't be here today. Number two is a fantastic staff. I tell all my audience that CEO is going to be just as successful as staff makes it. We have a fantastic staff. Number three, we've proven it's cheaper and effective to prevent disease than to find a cure. And number four, very important, if people realize they have a need, you provide a service, get the results they want, they'll make it successful in any field. And 74% of our patients are return patients. Well, we now have the largest database in the world proving the value of exercise. You've never experienced what I experienced. Oh, yes, I did. Because when I went through medical school and pre-med, and I was even concerned about exercising too much, and for six years during my medical school years, internship, I did nothing but gain weight. I went from 168 pounds to 204 pounds because under stress during that time, obesity is the most common manifestation of stress. I didn't sleep much, going through internship and all that. I just didn't have any time to exercise. I heard that expressed. So at 29 years of age, I went water skiing for the first time in six years, and I water skiing to my youth. And I got halfway through a slalom course up here at Lake Texoma, and I got hit with an arrhythmia, 29 years of age. 
oh, wait, inactive, done nothing for six years, been now saying athlete in my early career. They got me to the hospital. By the time I got back to the Harvard to come back to normal, they discovered what we call a supraventricular tachycardia. A very diagnostic, very thorough diagnostic workup said, the only thing wrong with you, doc, you're out of shape. There I was, 29 years of age. 29 years old, you're a former college athlete with impressive results, and in a short period of inactivity and stress, a completely different health status, which I think is instructive to our audience. Now, I understand how the exercise program and more fresh fruits and vegetables is good for cancers and bringing cardiac deaths down. You're looking at a fairly healthy population of the people that are on the program from the Cooper Clinic. And again, I encourage everybody to look up the Cooper Clinic and all the affiliated businesses. We've had a pandemic or we're about to enter a period of herd immunity. Any insight to that healthy population in terms of how their bodies reacted to the exposure to the COVID virus? Okay, before I talk about that, let me finish up by saying that when I was overweight, inactive, that diagnostic worker, I was pre-diabetic and I was hypertense at 200 years of age. I lost the weight, listen carefully, I lost the weight within six months around my first marathon a year later, around all these years. All that disappeared. I hadn't planned on going into preventive medicine. I planned on being an ophthalmologist or something like that when I finished my military career. But such dramatic change happened in my life. I said, this is a whole new field of medicine I should concentrate in. That was the epiphany in my life that changed my career. It's where we are today. Going on now with COVID, I've been very interested since the of a pandemic on what we could possibly do to reduce deaths, at least, and hospitalization. And I've been concentrating on the importance of vitamin D. I'm writing articles for Decision Magazine, this is a Billy Graham Franklin Graham organization. Started about a year ago talking about that. The first one was published, I got his hand, his hand on my life. But I had a byline in there. Uh, my recommendations for people in the world, goes to 10 million people around the world, what you should do regarding vitamin D, because we know that people of color are five to seven times more likely to be hospitalized and two more times more likely to be death than people of lighter skin. Why? Because they can't manufacture vitamin D. We measure vitamin D and omega-3, and all of our patients have done this for many years, and we find that the people of color run in single digits, like the 9, 10s, or 11s, the low teens, which should be 40 to 50, we know. I take 7,000 units a day to keep my blood level up to about 65, between 50 to 60 to 68. And we found you get your vitamin D level up, that may be something you can do because remember, it's not the vitamin, it's not the virus itself that causes the problem. It's the body's response to the virus called a cytokine storm, which is well proven. And the only thing that can suppress a cytokine storm is vitamin D. No drug has yet been developed that can protect us from that cytokine storm. I discovered this in 2017, an article published in the British Medical Journal, and they talked about the relationship between chronic inflammation, respiratory problems, and vitamin D deficiencies, a clear correlation there. What are people dying of? It's because of pneumonia from the COVID infection. So I put those two together and started looking at this, and we started doing studies. We studied 3,000 patients from our clinic. We had 176 that came down that were probably diagnosed with, with, with COVID, and not a single one died, and no, and no one was hospitalized. I can't guarantee you get those vitamin D levels up by taking at least 2,000 units a day. You get that very easily, that you're not going to come down with the problem, but you have a tremendous possibility of not dying from it and not being hospitalized. I even came down with COVID myself after doing everything right, immunization. It was the Omicron. 
and it picked up in a hospital from being there. But it lasted only five days. I had no symptoms. My wife had the same thing because we'd been immunized. We had our vitamin D levels up, and it kept us being hospitalized and dying. And 91 years of age, I'm in a high-risk category. But number, remember, remember, too, the number one uh, risk factor for, for coming down with COVID is being, is being over 65 years of age. Number two is obesity. Now, keep that in mind. Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. So the people are overweight. It gets on the fat and doesn't get out to give them any benefit. And so that's why there's a relationship, I'm convinced, between obesity and, and COVID-19. That's very interesting that it's the vitamin versus the, the strain on the pulmonary system and the cardiovascular system. And I can tell you this. So, so far, I have not tested positive for COVID, although you know many times I'd been exposed and been tested on more than occasions than I can count. Part of my vitamin routine is D3 every day. I don't know if that's the reason, but, but you know, when we think about vitamins and there's schools of thought about, oh, human body can get everything it needs from its food sources or, you know, D3 from the sun. If you have a particular genetic makeup or a particular location, what is your research said about vitamins? And if you don't mind sharing, what is your personal vitamin regimen? We have our own vitamin line that we started years ago because it's guaranteed pure, guaranteed to do something and guaranteed to be absorbed. Because of the Shade Dietary Supplement Health Education Act of 1994, the government had no control of that. So what the vitamins on the label may not be what they have inside. Also, ordered that, that they weren't absorbed. They go out the same way they came in. So we established our own Cooper Complete Vitamin Line. You can go to our cooperopis.com and see the line of vitamins that we have, which are guaranteed for us. They're guaranteed to do something. And I take our own vitamins in. I take the original formula. I take four twice a day. But we got a single vitamin. That is one of the best vitamins in America today, according to several sources have said this. It's called the Cooper Complete Basic One. So even take that and then take the separate, the separate 5,000 international units of vitamin D we take. They give you 7,000 total of what I'm taking. And that should give you the best protection very inexpensively for COVID-19. I can't tell you it's going to protect you from it. Almost a guarantee you, though, you're not going to be hospitalized or die from it. So I take vitamin D as you can reverse all the things. We measure omega-3, too. I just heard this week that omega-3, vitamin D, and exercise can reduce cancer deaths by 61%. I haven't had the final figure of that yet. They're sent to me just this week. It's been published that, that that's going to I've said for years, you eliminate obesity, inactivity, tobacco, and alcohol, you reduce cancer deaths by at least 50%. Now, the very cancer side, you reduce it by 60%. Again, why aren't we emphasizing that the preventive aspect of preventing cancer deaths, of preventing cancer in general? So all these things are basic requirements, what you do for yourself. Because I said, it's what you do for yourself. All the things we recommend at being Cooper, we've, we've had on several of those things. They can prolong your life and improve the quality of life. I hope that my audience will appreciate the amount of value that they can apply right away. But they need to know more about the Cooper Clinic and the, the Cooper Hotel and all of the things that are inside of your network. If if a person said, I want to do everything, you know, the Cooper Aerobics, Cooper Spa, Cooper Hotel, Cooper Clinic, the 600 people you employ, the hundreds of thousands of people that you've seen, where would they go to learn about this? Go to aerobics.com. That's our website. We have a lengthy website there. It tells you about the vitamins, about how to get performance here at the clinic, and gives you information how to get our information coming from our Cooper Institute on a regular basis. Cooperaerobics.com. And, and cooperaerobics.com. Uh, we just published a major article, by the way, how we're having an impact on the world. And this is surely true. We were asked to collaborate, collaborate with NASA. 
and look at these astronauts spin in space for weeks or months or whatever it may be and compare them with our Cooper Center Longitudinal Study. That's our special study. We're following these people for a period of now 52 years. And we can match them almost perfectly. Levels of fitness by time on the trail, by Mike's life walking something with those astronauts. And are they, are they dying early? This is a long-term thought of these astronauts versus our people. And there was no increase in death rate from these astronauts going into space. That's having impact on the world because the possibility of having space flights for, for people other than astronauts in the future, is it safe to do that? Yes, it's not going to shorten your life. It's been published recently in a major medical journal. So that's how we're, we're changing the way that medicine being practiced in the world. We, had a, we have a legacy dinner here every year. And last year we were celebrating my 90th birthday and all. And we, and we talked about the things that we've done, the Cooper Institute, that have actually changed the way medicine's practiced in the world. And that can be available. People want to sign up for that, too. But going to our website, cooperrobis.com, is a way to get started knowing what we do here. We invite the people to come in. We invite them to get read our regular articles, all the things, my books that I'm publishing, the articles I'm publishing. Because don't die of something stupid. I was on the radio for eight and a half years. And that was one of our models. Don't die of something stupid. And you keep in mind the most common first symptom of severe heart disease is sudden death. Don't ignore that. Wait too late. We've had in George Bush's example, he talks about that, how going to Cooper Center saved his life. And he's, we talked about this in the documentary will be coming out because he didn't realize that he had severe disease. We picked it up here and got him in the hospital with a very short period of time. Angioplasty said, and I'm sure this saved his life. I love that advice. Don't die of anything stupid. I had a board member one time and I was a chief executive and every time he'd leave the board meeting, he'd point me and he says, don't do anything dumb. I think that's great advice all the way around. Dr. Cooper, second to the last question for you today. What you've done is so well researched. It makes so much common sense and would make people happier. It would make our healthcare spending less. Are there any policies that if you could recommend to the federal government or state government or municipal government, say, look, Here's a policy you need to enforce or put into place. What would you advise them to do? I would advise the insurance companies to pay attention to what we're doing because we don't take insurance. We don't take Medicare at the clinic, and yet we have what patients we can handle. If we had done that, we've been so controlled by the government, we couldn't do what we're doing in the way of research. So, again, trying to get insurance companies to start covering preventive medical examination. I think that's the beginning of trend we can see. And so insurance companies will pay for these exams and this kind of stuff. They aren't doing that because you can't rely upon the government to help you. They're not going to help you. What you do for yourself is going to make the difference in this whole situation. So I hope that what we've talked about today is something that make people realize that what we're going to, what you're going to do is the way the long you live and how well you live is what you do for yourself from this point on. It's I-50, concentrate on two, two things. Concentrate on your weight and concentrate on your level of fitness by avoiding inactivity, collective or sustained, 30 minutes of exercise most days per week, Lose weight. You can lose weight, but you can't do it just by exercise. You're going to have to get control of your diet. There's many ways you can go on the Internet and you go on television and have ways you can lose weight. Don't ignore your obesity because you can't be obese and be healthy because related to cancer, it's related to all these various diseases, it's related to Alzheimer's, it's related to uh, COVID-19, all these various things. Don't ignore these things. And I tell my people, walk your dog whether you have one or not. Keep that in mind, too. It's a very important recommendation for them. I love that. Walk your dog, whether you have one or not, rain or shine, or here in the great state of Michigan, snow or ice as well, certain periods of the year. Dr. Cooper, anything that we didn't cover or any final closing thoughts? This has been absolutely fascinating. It's an honor to have you here. Well, again, if people aren't reading Decision Magazine, you can go on the Internet Decision Magazine and get a prescription that. I'm writing articles there every other month. 
I've done it all last year. I'm doing it this year. And I'm keeping people up to date with these decision magazine articles that go around the world, as I mentioned. I've had some unbelievable responses from people telling me the value of these articles. So the last one was just, can you prevent cancer? And that's a, and can you can you prolong life? Can you do these things? What about vitamin D and omega-3? And what about those things? That's all comes out of the articles that are published on a bi-monthly basis as vision magazine. We've been visiting today with Dr. Kenneth Cooper, one of the pioneers in preventive medicine. He speaks from experience, having faced health challenges. Today, 91 years old, works every day, works out every day. And a few simple things that we can all do to improve our health status. And I hope every reader, every listener, and every viewer of The Common Bridge will embrace some of these good, healthy habits. And so, with my guest, Dr. Kenneth Cooper, inviting you to join us, Substack, look up The Common Bridge on Substack.com, on your favorite podcast outlet, on YouTube TV, and at Mission Control Radio on your Radio Garden app. And this is your host, Rich Helpy, signing off on The Common Bridge. Thanks for joining us on The Common Bridge. Please subscribe to The Common Bridge on Substack.com where you can find more interviews, columns, podcasts, video, and other nonpartisan discussions to the problems of today. On Substack, you can access the full archive and bonus columns, podcasts, and interviews for only $5 a month. Please go to Substack.com and search for The Common Bridge and subscribe.